to all the fighters, families, and friends. We are with you. Let's be positive and keep the faith during this Pinktober and every month to follow. Simply put, Tamara Leonard is a warrior. A native of Dutch St. Martin, Tamara fell in love with business from an early age. Both of her parents were entrepreneurs. Their work ethic and the independence that entrepreneurship allowed had a profound impression on her. Though business was always her first love, she remembers seeing members of St. Martin's government being sworn into office after every election. There was something about being able to make changes in her community that spoke to her. After completing studies in the U.S., Tamara would return to St. Martin to fulfill her promise to herself by becoming a business owner. She admits that there were a few stumbles along the way. However, she saw great success eventually. And yes, being a politician was always at the back of her mind, but it was not priority. That was until the opportunity came to her in the early 2010s. Tamara Leonard was elected to office on her first attempt. However, this almost did not occur. During the election campaign, she was diagnosed with breast cancer. It was the fight of her life. Tamara, however, did not give up. With strength, hope, and immeasurable faith in God, she pushed through and was able to defeat the disease. She went on to serve the people of St. Martin well. In late 2020, Tamara was again diagnosed with breast cancer. Fresh from her treatment, Tamara sat with me to discuss her ambitions, her philosophies, and shed light on her journey with breast cancer. Tamara is strong. Tamara is an inspiration. Tamara is a warrior. This is the story, thus far, of Tamara Leonard. I am Crispin Brooks, and this is Planet 30. She is a former parliamentarian on the island of St. Martin. She is an entrepreneur, an author, and a cancer warrior. Tamara Leonard, welcome to Planet 30. To God be the glory, and thank you very much for having me. Thank you for being here. So Tamara, you, um, you grew up in St. Martin on the Dutch side, and I noticed that your Twitter handle is I am St. Martin. Very, very powerful statement. Tell, tell us, what does St. Martin mean to you? St. Martin means everything to me. St. Martin is home. St. Martin is, you know, where I grew up, where I was born. You know, it's contributed to what makes me me. St. Martin is where my heart will always be at. This is it. This is home. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I hear you. What are some of your favorite things about the island specifically? You know, um, at this stage, very, very old in my, my, you know, it's just very recent. One of the things that I enjoy most about my island right now is the sea. And I say it most recently because I grew up, um, I mean, 
we live on an island, so we have where people come to vacation, we live, and, and I have access to it at all times, but I never had a love for the ocean like I've suddenly developed over the last couple months. And um, so in this current moment, one of my favorite things would be the, the ocean, the sea, you know, going to the beach and just soaking and, and basking and embracing, you know, being in his body that he made. So um, my answer to that question would be you know, the, the sea right now. Mm-hmm. Any, any favorite beaches? Between um, Divi, Little Bay, and Mullet Bay for right now, those are the two that I go to all the time. There are, there are, there used to be, um, you know, one for every square mile, but I think there, there's been more, more has been developed since. You're not, well, not developed, but, you know, nature brought a few of them all out. So, of all of them, I only really frequent the two, which is Divi and Mullet Bay, and I'm happy with them. Great beaches, great beaches. So, Tamara, tell us, what was the dream coming up in St. Martin? What did you want to be? You know, with time, it always changed. I started out wanting to be a, a lot of things. I remember at a given moment, I wanted to be the person next to the judge in the courthouse. Not necessarily the judge, but at the time, I didn't know who that was. But I, but they were the ones that were calling the sentences or, you know, and I was a prosecutor, and, and that had that was in my mind for a long time. And then um, I realized how much education and how much schooling I was going to be, and that thought was quickly vanished. Um, I was never, you know, like someone who enjoyed school, so that was not going to work for me. Uh, the next thing I always wanted, you know, to be at top of my career peak would be you know, as a child growing up, we saw our leaders of the country then and on the nights of um, final night of election and the results, you would see them on the, 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 the porch of the government building. And I always wanted to be, you know, one of those. And so I've managed to have had that dream job and very, um, you know, humble and honored to have had that opportunity to serve my country. That was the, the you know, my dream job and I've accomplished that so yeah and for the rest of it I love business everything about business I love the idea of business and so I spend a lot of time a lot of time um, in business and that too is is fun for me I enjoy that so what what types of uh, business well let me ask you this what was your first business at the age of I believe 18 years, I started a business doing nails, and my then um, my then boyfriend was a barber, and so we started a business together. Um, the name of that was Tashes, um, and we did nails, and he cut hair. That was my first business venture, and... Um, I have to take it back. As a child, my mother had a salon, and in her salon, we used to put candies in a jar and so sell them. And so I have to say that indeed, that would have been my um, my first business venture. But from a very young age, I loved the idea of business. I grew up, my mother was a hairdresser, and she had her own business. And 
My dad worked two jobs. He worked for the government in the day and he worked at night for um, the casinos. And eventually he too opened his own business. And so I've been around business my whole life. I love it. I thought you were going to say he opened his own casino. No. <laughs> so, so interesting. So, what, what, well, let me ask you this. What would you say has been your uh, most successful business? And what has been, you know, where, when, when have you hit rock bottom with a business? Like, you know, sometimes we start as entrepreneurs, we start businesses and we say, you know, okay, that was a bad idea. <laughs> what was your bad idea business and what was your best? Okay, so, you know, when I, my um, post-high school education, so my college experience, I graduated from the Miami-Dade uh, Community College, it was back then, and that's where I had my associate um, degrees experience, and then I graduated from the DeVry University, also in um, Florida, and um, once you you, once you're educated out there, they teach you your worth. They teach you everything, including what your what your salary, the expectation of what a salary should be. And so coming home back in 2007 with that expectation in my head and, and had a job offer, start immediately after, I mean, just within, within weeks of me being home, I had basically a job and I turned it down because it was not to the, the salary was not to the expectation of what we were taught. At the, I mean, ignorance is bliss and, and in hindsight, you know, um, I don't know how life would have been had I taken it because at that time I needed to understand that not as you come out of school, you won't get what you were taught. So my mind was not necessarily in the right place, but in any event, that forced me into starting my own business um, back then, and I had a partner. And I think um, we started the business, and how we did this was we got a location with the, the support of friends and family. You got a location, you set up the office, you buy all the furniture, and then we started looking for business. So we started that off wrong. You know, while you're supposed to, you know, have your business, start the business, build a clientele, secure your income, and then start adding overhead. I went in on all overhead and then ended up crashing and crashing very hard. Um, but to God, I was I was um, offered a job after that at a prestigious um, hotel here on the island and was able to build myself back from there. So my rock bottom would have been when I fell from opening that business you know, and then had to have rebuilt myself. Um, I think the peak of my business career would have been when. Well, before was, before you before you answer that part, what what type of business was it that you guys were attempting to uh, start? Well, we did project management because it was more than myself, and so where my business partner had expertise, we combined what she was doing with along with what I was doing. Mine was along the lines of. HR and um, um, project management, you know, doing uh, business imaging for people, doing um, hiring for people, headhunting for people. We also worked on, um, you know, work permits and residence permits for people coming um, to the island to work for different companies. We also I invested heavily into training, you know, um, and so we did customer service trainings and, and so on. 
for many years. Um, but I think, you know, you start out, when you're young, you, you want everything, you want to do everything up at once and not making sure that you basically uh, hold down, cover, and, you know, get one thing solid before you start to grow. So while there were really good ideas and really good feedback we got in certain um, areas from the community, we were doing too much, too fast, and with too little uh, experience. Mm. Um, so that, that really cost us a lot of money. It, it challenged a lot of areas of, of our lives. And so, um, again, I have to say to God, be the glory when 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 I was able to, um, you know, finally close it and move on into doing you know, settling and, and starting again from scratch. So that was an experience and one that one that I think, you know, I'm not private about it or I'm not private about my failures at all because someone else can learn from them, you know. And so while I love business and I love the idea of young people starting business and I actually have a business now that, that is dedicated to helping people start their business, um, I like to be more careful now, do more research, do your due diligence, make sure there's a market for it and the market is not saturated. Make sure your prices are competitive and not um, crashing the market with being too just to win the, the clients. You know, the, the ethical part of business is also a, a sweet journey and, and one to to teach and show that you know, we can do healthy business without to kill each other or without trying to well kill each other's business you know or uh being unethical indeed indeed and so tell us about your, the, the high what, what's been your what, what's been the feather in your cap <laughs> to to have been it, the feather in my cap um okay as far as business goes as far as my career i think um I, I don't think I would call it the feather in my cap. It was the peak. That was the best my business has ever done. Um, like I said, is when I went to work with a prestigious entity on on the island, and um, and while on the job, you know, um, sitting still and doing one thing is not for everybody. And I'm one of those people um, that one uh, uh, I'm that person who cannot just sit still and do something over and over. The job um, wasn't one that, that nailed me to my desk all day, but it definitely wasn't one that um, that allowed me to occupy all my time. You know, uh, I, I loved it. I really enjoyed it. I learned so much from it, but then I still wanted to do so much more. And so um, we came to an agreement that they would, I will no longer work for, but work with them. And they became my client instead. Um, ended up being my biggest client for many years, up to and until, um, and we're looking at from 2009, 10 to up to about 2017, the Hurricane Irma, it was a very successful and stable business. And I was able through that business to do so much. I was able to hire people, to give people employment. I was happy and able to contribute to many areas within the community because that's who I am. I love to give. I love to make people happy, make people smile, make people laugh. Um, and so 
spent a lot of time and and that business afforded me the ability to help friends help family take care of my mother um it allowed me and afforded me to hire my sisters and 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 at a given moment we it was no longer a matter of having them work for me but we worked all together and because of that business, we were able to bless a lot of people who already had jobs but still had a rough time making ends meet. So we were able to give them part-time um, gigs, you know, to help out. And the ability to do that gives a really nice feeling from the inside. The ability to contribute in the community, um, you know, in sports, in in different things, through schools, adopting schools and making they, that you know, they uh, every child gets a Christmas gift. We did that, you know. It was really a blessing, blessing other people, and so that has been. I think that would have that part of it would have been the feather and the cap, being a blessing to other. Um, and I I look forward to one day getting back there. That is where my heart is at, you know, doing business and being able to help others, being able to inspire people to my flaws, my obstacles, my challenges, but also in my successes. So that is that is the goal, the, the goal right now moving forward. Mm-hmm. And and so you've always had this uh giving spirit, it seems. Uh, even in business, but that led you into the political arena because you saw the need to serve. I'm, I'm, I'm guessing. How did you? How did you end up in politics in Saint Martin? As I said, as a child, it's something that I wanted to do, but did not give it my full. Um, I didn't pursue it like in everything that I did. Back in 2010, I came home from college. 2006, I believe, I did business for a while. I ran. And I secured a position on the Chamber of Commerce board for, I believe, a term and a half. And um, and I got there the taste of feel of actually serving because the Chamber board is a is not an appointed board; it's a board that is voted in. So people voted for you to sit there, and you feel that that you feel the the sense of responsibility of serving people through that medium, you know, and within that, within that, that entity, within that, the business realm, you know, I felt that you have to defend the business people, you need to, to give more and do more for them, you know, and so I got the little, that was just a feel of what it would, what it's like to be in a, a, a board position or in a position where someone had to vote for you to be there after represent them. In that case, it was business. At that point, I realized that, okay, now I think I might be ready to take a hop over to the other side based on my work ethic at the chamber, what I was, what I, what I was able to accomplish. And, um, and while there's going to always be room for opportunity for improvement for everyone and in every seat that you sit, someone can do a better job. Um, I thought it was time for me to then step aside and allow others to take over there. And um, while, I, while I then started pursuing my political career, um, I must say that, again, to God be the glory, because as I, as I do these types of interviews or just have these discussions, I learned that in every step how much I have grown to the different stages and phases of life. And so at that point, I realized that it was time for me to, you know, my giving... My giving 
was it was not a matter of um, just out of the blue one day I just started giving. I have been a giver for much time. Like I mean, I have been contributing, and it had nothing to do with setting up my portfolio or, or to go into the political phase. But it is a good, um, uh, you know, it allowed it, it allowed for people to have already known you for many years in that in that that way or that life and then it, they have an idea of how you will be when you get in there it doesn't always work that way but that's my story you know um and so on my first try in a, in, in the political arena i was elected i was elected um first time out First time out. First time out again, I was elected, and and with a, a good amount of votes, you know, a considerably good amount of votes, that people have confidence in me, and that that you know, while that is what I wanted, it literally changed the way I I thought and the way I realized I do things because now I am representative, not just of a few people or a few businesses, but of everyone in the country, those that voted for and those that did not vote for me, they were now responsibility and I had to I had to carry that mantle with with a sense of pride, dignity and integrity, you know. And so while I'm very rough around the edges, I I'm not the most tactful person or well spoken person or you know, you can expect an outburst from me if I feel that. Um I was very happy with the results, and and I, I served for almost seven years, I believe. And seven years. I, yes. Wow. And, but seven years, unfortunately, not seven years of a of a of a straight government. I didn't sit not one term, full term. Oh, the government just kept falling. The instability was was or uh, continues to be a big concern for our country, but. For every new country, for every new project, for everything that is new, you will have some instability. I'm not making an excuse or saying that that, that was good. What I'm saying is, um, in order for you to 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 walk, you have had to crawl before, and then you know you know fall quite a few times before you walk again. So, so let me ask you this though: every time the government fell, okay. So, for the audience. Um, Country Saint Martin, which is the is it still Dutch or is it formerly Dutch? It's Dutch. It's Dutch. Okay, but you guys have an, a new internal government, yeah? No. So now what we have is um, we are a country within the Dutch kingdom. Got it. So not no longer like a uh, territorial colony. <sighs> That's. How it should be, but the actions uh, or the way things are handled definitely does not. Um, it, 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 you still feel like you're in a colony, you know. Because um, the, the reason I'm asking, I'm trying to understand because it's it's quite confusing to me too. I, I've observed it, um, but you said that you were parliamentarian for seven years. And the government fell several times, um, as you know, has been reported widely. But so, does this mean that you have to stand for election every time it falls? Yes. Uh, wow. It's yourself every time the government falls. There has to be a, a again a postulation, and there has to be an election. So you, it's, it's almost like you have to be in go mode at all times. Yeah. 
Yeah, and that was not that was a not fun part of it. Um, I think I ran three elections or four maybe, and and at a given moment for me, I didn't have a face to go to ask people to vote for me yet another time. Um, you know, given the situation, and I also feel I think a lot of it comes to the fact that you know, yes, it's a democracy, but we can run every single time for for years as we are elected to be representatives in the in the in the the governing of the country, so to speak. So I mean you have government, you have parliament, it's two separate entities, but there is no limit to like how it, the president of the United States can only sit for eight years, you know, two terms. We don't have that. So as long as as long as um we continue to be able to vote over what I mean you know, it's, it's it's the status is the as our democracy again it's about maturity it's about sincerity it's about having a common goal and sticking together no matter what to get um to where we want this country to be and it's going to get there. i have faith that it's going to get there i just think that um, i do not i would always wondered uh, i shouldn't say wondered i had to prove to myself to research that we were not the only country that had to go through that at the beginning stages of a new status for the country. You know, so it will get there. it will get there hopefully soon enough that we don't lose much more than what we've already lost as a country, you know. So that, I mean that was my political experience. I enjoyed it while it lasted. I gave my best. I actually um if if the government um, can be executed. There will be a law, or there is a law with my name approved by the parliament, which was the extension of maternity for women from six weeks to 16 weeks, I believe. And I introduced um, a partner leave for um, a family known as, as paternity leave for partners to also have time with, with the family was only able to get seven days for that, which is a lot more than what it what it was officially. So um, I am proud with what I have accomplished. I've also submitted uh, other laws um, as well and, and other amendments to laws that I submitted while being a parliamentarian. So I am I am actually, um, I, well, as always, you're always going to wish you had done more and want to be able to do more. I'm happy with what I was able to accomplish then. And I look forward to others being able to do that and more and for us to take this country where, where, you know, it's God's will for it to ultimately be. So, so Tamara, after all that you did in politics, what was the most rewarding thing about serving the people of your beloved St. Martin? Every part of it. You know, while I did not like the parts of it or the parts of it that I did not like would have been, uh, like I mentioned before, you know, the instability. But even that shaped shaped us or shaped me or that experience I learned from that experience so I cannot cancel that you know I can't put that away it was all a part of where we are today and so just like humans have flaws and we grow from our mistakes the same thing from a country's perspective and so it was an honor and pleasure to have served period it was my honor and pleasure to have um 
position myself to help country. When I when I entered into politics one by one by one, all my businesses closed clearly because my businesses are more in service than anything. So obviously people in an attempt to protect their business from being politically tainted by any um politician, one by one by one I started losing those contracts. And so and so I You sacrificed um, I, exactly. It was a sacrifice to me. And so with that, like I said, it was an honor. I really enjoyed it. I appreciated it. Um, and then I felt the need to take a step back, focus on my, focus on my building myself back. And then, yeah, my health had a whole nother plan. But um, every aspect of it was an honor pleasure and i i can't say that i will never do it again um but for right now i think my focus would go back to uh, to continue to contribute and help and serve but i can also do that how i was doing for years becoming a politician so i can do that from the outside as well mm-hmm. and so you said you, you just mentioned your health this being breast cancer month this is another reason why we definitely wanted you on the podcast. Uh, tell us about your journey with uh, the disease, and how did it really start for you? Like, what were the first signs, etc.? The first time, my first time experience with cancer was back in 2014, which was when I postulated myself for the first time to run in a country's election, and. Elections were supposed to be in August, I believe, and I was diagnosed in somewhere in May, June, I was diagnosed with breast cancer. And so that was dead in the middle, in the heat, in the final stages and phases of of the election. Um, so... While it was, um, it was a, I, I did not have, I had a lumpectomy, so they just removed the tumor. I had chemotherapy and I had radiation. And so I flew back and forth, basically campaigning and, and dealing with my health and was still blessed to be um, elected. But at that time, A, I was much younger. B, my focus was, you know, when the doctors, when the oncologists and the surgeons all sat me down with my friends and family in that in their office to say that, hey, you have cancer and this is how we're going to treat it and this is what we're going to do. And they gave the whole story and the plan and they asked me if I had any questions. And my question was, can they run for election? Because I am not a doctor. And my mind is set on doing that. I will trust you to do your part. I will do what you say, but I am running for that. But I'm running in the elections if, if you say that is going to be okay. Wow. And that, that would be fun. And so I didn't have the time to really pay too much attention to what was happening with my body. But I have to, I have to think that it was not as bad as a second time, which I was diagnosed in 2020, um, October, that it had, or the end of September, I believe, is when I was diagnosed um, in 2020. That was a completely different um, beast. 
that was a completely different experience. I felt every single note of it. I experienced every, and and it was not anything like the first time. The first time around, I did not. Um, the first time was not like the second time, and the second time I ended up having a doctorectomy, a remote press, had a reconstruction. Um, they removed skin from my back and um, to help for the stretching, of skin, to, to add to the chest so that they can stretch it to put um, implants. Eventually, it was a completely different experience, much more pain, much more discomfort, much more um, um, stressful. It was it was rough, and that was in twenty twenty. I just that so so you decided to do the double mas- mastectomy well yes because it wasn't gonna catch me again because at that point now i'm realizing that these fellas are my these two girls are my chest is hypocrites so let me just eliminate, eliminate them <laughs> um, and that's how i came to we made a decision that we're going to take them both off because of the you know to eliminate the chance of reoccurrence and and, and you were uh you were fortunate enough that you caught it in the early stages both times. Yes, actually, um, this time even even better than last time. You know, so it was definitely in the early stages, and and we were able to deal with it. And talk talk to us about what 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 are signs that people can look for, or you know, uh, we may think that oh, it's just a little pain. What are some of the signs that that you should look for when investigating um, yourself? You know, I don't think we should be looking for signs. I think we should just check regularly. And so anything that feels abnormal while checking all the time is a sign. Right. You understand? Because in 2014, I I can say that I was negligent. I was negligent. I have been had that pain on the side of my left breast i mean for a long time but it's a pain i would come and i would brown thing i felt it you know but negligent didn't even think you know i didn't even it wasn't even a thought and then um in 2020 now so i checked regularly all the time but in 2019, but I was supposed to check in 2019, um, October is when I checked every October. And I was not able to um, go in 2019. So so in the, the latter part, so like in December of 2019 or 2020, I was like, okay, I'm going to do it. And there wasn't getting done in October, I went to Florida, was able to get an appointment. So I said, well, okay, you know what, we'll do it next. But then came the pandemic, and so for the entire 2020, uh, um, for the most of it, we could not travel. And so in October, when things eased up, in September, when things eased up a bit, my daughter was getting ready to go back off to college. And I said to her, um, and I said, let's go, let's go to Miami for a few days. It was just vacation, you know, to chill with her, spend time with her, so that we can come back and she can go back to college. And while there, this time I got a pain, um, 
in the same breath, you know. So that sharp sticking came. It happened another time. And so my daughter was like, hey, but man, let's just go. You know, just go. Um, we here in Miami. Might as well just go and check it. And lo and behold, we went and took it. And, and that was it. It was back. That's how we found out through through a pain, through what 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 is now what I consider an emergency because I did not go there to go to the doctor. I went there with my daughter on a vacation, and so then it presented itself again. Wow, you you mentioned um, being checked regularly. What do you consider regular? Because you know some people say oh, I was at the doctor in twenty seventeen. I'm good. What's, well, what what is regularly like how regular, often should mammograms be done etc when you regular should be every time you take a shower every time you take a shower it should be a part of your routine to to check yourself you know um if you don't know how to check yourself you can go to youtube you know you can ask your doctor to show, but just check cuz you have to know your boobs and as men and women, you have to know what your chest feel like. And once you feel like there's nothing there, and then all of a sudden, the next day you go and suddenly there's a lump. There's something different. There's something foreign. Don't neglect it. Don't neglect it. Don't take for granted that that can be, you know, something growing in you with an attempt to kill you. And that was my thing. I leave my grow the first time to a huge size, if I'm not mistaken, 12 or 14 centimeters, um, with it literally protruding through the side of my, my, my breast and still did not do anything about it. Was and it, was it I, fear of the unknown? No, it was just, okay, uh, okay, it was modern me, it wasn't fair of nothing, it just was negligence. Wow. And so that's why I'm so adamant about people checking. Go check your breast. Check your breast. It's a song I sing over and over and over to people. Go check your breast. You know, you never know. And that's for men and women. And at this point, at this point, I am like, just check your health because breast. It October is Breast Cancer Awareness Month, but cancer. Is literally, I mean, okay, COVID now on his own mission here, uh, you know, trying to keep up or trying to pass cancer, but it's deadly. It is not, once you figure out that you have it, it does not mean that you're going to die. It doesn't automatically, um, you know, my friend uses the term, it's not a death sentence. But if you do not, Pay attention if you do not check, if you be negligent, if you if you feel something or going through pain, not say anything. I mean, in some cases, some women uh, and and some men, there's liquid or fluid oozing out of your out of the areola. Um, come on, go to the doctor. You know, and it is literally, you know, in some people's mind, going to the doctor is a is, is once it's absolutely necessary, if it's bleeding and out of control, people don't go to the doctor, you know, and that's something that has to change. So, yeah. Wow, 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 wow. Awesome. I mean, great warnings um, for everyone, really, you know. Um, you, you mentioned about the, um, of course, the mastectomy and the reconstruction 
And there, it must have been a, a, a great amount of pain with the skin removal from your back. I was just thinking, I, my mind just went back to that. Let me tell you, this this experience this time was nothing like the last time. This this time it was this time it was rough. Mm. It was rough, and um, but I gotta give God glory because here I am. Yeah, how did your faith assist you in getting through this ordeal? Oh, that's all I depend on. That's all I depend on, you know. Um, I think if I had to rely on myself, if I did not have my faith to believe that, you know, God is greater than even that when which I was going through and that, as long as it is his ultimate will that I be here, it will pass. The pain will subside. It will go away. But I had to have that something or somebody to hold on to to know that that was going to be the case. And so through prayer, not just by myself, but by family, friends, the community coming together, um, through praise and constantly using God as a distraction from the pain, be it in seeking his word, be it in um, praising, be it through while I am down, encouraging and lifting someone else up, anything to distract me in doing or being more like him, those are the things that got me. Mm. Those are the things that got me. And I can never, and that's why 2014, when I and one of the nights where I was very nervous, and and the side effect of the the chemotherapy was really um, beating me down. You know, I you know when you get nervous, you just quickly make a deal with Jesus. You know, um, and I had quickly made a deal with Jesus, and I forever give him the glory for everything moving forward. If he just pulled me out of this, and that's where. My to God be the glory will always be a part of my speech, will always be a part of me. And it is becoming who I am because it is because of him. And it is for his glory that everything I do and everything I go through or grow through, painfully so or not, the glory has to go back to him. So this, obviously this has affected you spiritually, your family and everything. How did your and you mentioned uh, to me in the pre-interview that your you and your daughter are very very close. How did this uh, affect you in terms of motherhood, and how did it affect her because she was in college during this time? Um, in 2014, when we found out my daughter was in high school, and I was away from home, and she was home when I when I found out, and I wanted to tell her myself, but she ended up figuring it out even before I got home. And when I got home and she saw me, she just started crying. And I took her, we had guests, of course everyone was here. I took her in the bathroom and I said, our strength comes from me who lives within us. But we need each other. Your strength combined with mine together, there is no way anything can beat us. But I'm going to need you to be strong because I cannot afford to be stressing that because of me, my daughter is stressing. And let me tell you about that little piece of a daughter of mine. 
That was it. I tell this to cry now. I'm going to come out of this bathroom, and you can scream if you want. You take, you take your time. If you need a whole half an hour to cry your soul out in this, bathroom, you do that. But when you come back through these doors, we got we going into war. We don't we we can't cry. So. Now and then you're gonna get a little emotional, and I understand we can sob a little bit, but but ultimately we beat in this, so there's no need to be crying. You cry when you know something bad is going to happen. In this case, we're just going to have a rough patch, but we're getting through. And my daughter, that was it. I don't know if behind that she shared with family and friends and other fears, but with that face, it was on. And then in this year, she happened to have been with me on vacation when we found out. And I came outside and I told her and um, my little cousin, I said, listen, um, we're doing this for a second time. It's round two. I said, but we're doing it as we did before. We're going to do it again. And she's been strong. She's been supportive. She's so much more mature now. Um, she holds down the fort. She... She makes mother very easy for me. I have to admit, when I hear and watch some of my friends and the big, big group and family, man, my daughter made motherhood so easy. Mm. And I give God glory for her. You guys' faith is 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 inspiring and 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 just awesome, man. Uh, definitely such an inspiration. Talk a little bit about because you, you mentioned that you were very young when this happened. You know, sometimes there's an attitude like, "Oh, I'm young. I don't, you know, I don't need to go to, you know." Mm-hmm. Talk about uh, you know being young and just paying attention. I just kind of want you to emphasize that a little more. Yeah, you know, and it's it's not a, a a cultural thing. It's not a societal thing. It's it's a worldwide thing where when you're young, you're free, you feel you can be anything you want to be. And while this is true, we have to normalize. Um, even at a very young age, prevention. Um, prevention of by rather what you feed your body, you know. Um, we have to prevent illnesses through the things that we eat, through the way that we live, through the habits that we form. And so, again, it is Breast Cancer Awareness Month, but it is more and more um, obvious that every aspect of our, of our healthy lives matter. Every aspect of our mental health matters. So, what I try to do is encourage people to, to aspire to inspire. And in order to do any of those, you have to be alive. And to be alive, you have to treat your body well. You have to, you have to do things differently where, where it concerns the temple that we are given, the temple that Christ lives in in us, you know, we, we we are taught and we know that Christ lives in us. So we have to treat the temple in which he lived as if it is his house, as you have to treat it as if you have a king living in you. So that would mean you can't feed it with junk all the time. You can't feed it with things that are going to cause the temple to deteriorate. You can't feed it with poison, um, even Spiritually, mentally, even the, the way you speak, the things you meditate, the things you think of, all of it has to be, um, it has to be from a place of, of, you know, planting a seed and growing. It has to be in feeding that spirit, feeding that 
your energy. It, it has to do with with just making sure that that temple is right. You know, you you, you live in a home and uh, oh, we have a dream home. And when you when you accomplish that dream, you take care of it. You want to make sure that if a hurricane comes or anything, you're going to be able to withstand it. Um, that house that you build has to be able to withstand the the, the, the hurricane, the, the winds and everything. And just like that, our body, you know, Christ lives in us. We need to know that we are going to be able to sustain and beat anything that comes our way. Because he does not make sickness, but he knows exactly how much we can handle. And so what needs to be the backup to that is that you, you, you be ready. COVID, for example, listen, the monk of ginger and turmeric and garlic that I have been putting in my system because of, of, of COVID, you're preparing yourself for that battle because you don't know when you are going to face it. And the only way you can hope to win it is by making sure that your body is ready to deal with it. You understand? And so you have to protect it. You have to take the things that are going to build your immune system. That's just how it is by spirit. And so we have to take care of ourselves. We have to check our health. You have to check your blood sugar. You have to make sure your 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 your, your, your mental health is good. If that means stay away from things that, that cause stress and grief, gossip, um, um evilness, evil wicked um wicked doing you know all these things all these things all together form good health so tomorrow in in terms of um the the holistic approach right uh you know mental spiritual everything part of your therapy has taken an interesting turn you decide you decided to become an author and start to write children's books where, where did the thought come about to start doing that and tell us about your books okay so what had happened was what had happened was <laughs> <laughs> back in 2014 when this happened like i said i was busy with elections and so um that had my attention but then after the election i was basically stuck with doing my treatments and um just waiting for the days to go by and you know Time is literally money. You can have all the time in the world and you can do nothing with it or you can do something with it. And when I found out this time that I had have cancer again, I decided that this time I was going to be ahead of the eight ball. This time cancer was not going to cost me everything. And last time I was prepared for it because like I said, I had successful businesses and I was doing well so I was able to carry that weight along with the help of friends you know back then but this time it was different and because of the hurricane and because of the pandemic and all those things financially it was a lot different and so it um it was heavy on me and I said to myself that cancer wasn't going to rob me for a second time you know, um, it wiped out my savings that I had back in 2014. And this time I don't have that savings. So we, we have to be doing um, fundraisers and ways to, to raise money to be able to pay because it's an expensive, it's a dura crap we say in Dutch. It's an expensive joke. Now, while I have insurance that takes care of the big medical bills, there are aspects that the insurance just does not take care of. 
And so you have to find those monies yourself to pay. So even with insurance, if you don't have some kind of financial backing, you are going to find yourself in a very tough position. That takes us right back to your other question, whereas being prepared at all times for something, another part of being healthy is financial budgeting, financial planning, you know? So this time I told myself, I am going to find something to do with the extra time. I did not have a clue what it was because in my telling you as a child growing up, you did not hear me say that I wanted to be an author. I never had the dream to be an author. However, I did, um, I, I like writing. And so I did say that I was going to, not say I started writing this memoir of myself. And halfway through, I decided to stop with that because I realized that there were some some battles I still had to deal with and some stuff I didn't tell my mother about and she was going to learn about it in a book. So I just kind of rest that out and decided, <laughs> and decided, you know, let's put our on pause. But I started scrolling and researching for things that I can do because obviously you're in America and you can't walk, you know, without the proper, um, without the proper documentation. And I don't want to mess up my chances of being able to go there. So what did I do is I scrolled and scrolled and scrolled. And one night on TikTok, I saw people um, showing how easy it was for them to write a children's book. And with that, I said, aha, this one I can do because eh, I love writing. I love, I love storytelling. And so... This is something that I am going to be able to do. And then I'm a, I am a very strict mom. I was a very strict mom to my daughter. Not too overbearing, but I'm big on principles. I'm big on morals. I'm big on, on you know, giving. I'm big on, you know, there are certain values in life that, that if children were to learn them from now, it's going to save them some obstacles um, as they grow older and while you want them to experience as much as possible because that makes them who they are that will shape them you also want to teach them the things in life that you will need to, to get through a smoother life and and i'm talking things like being grateful with what you have nothing is wrong with aspiring for more but you be grateful for what you have now and always find reasons to be grateful that comes in and that helps when you are going through trying times. Then you teach your children from now that. So when they're going through trying times as they get older, they will not, the first look will not be suicide. They will realize the amount of things they have around them that they can be grateful for. That what they don't have, they can work towards getting without thinking the world is coming to a crashing end. I'm talking about writing things along the lines of communicating with parents. One of the major issues, especially with black, um, black families, is the parents are so focused on making sure they have well-raised, well-mannered, well-behaved children, well-educated, that sometimes we don't realize our strictness is causing a breach in communication and forcing our children to communicate with other people, to trust other people. And, and oftentimes, predators work on children through trust. Hmm. I, I don't necessarily know that's a black thing. I think that's a universal thing. Yes. 
They made them comfortable with um, speaking to you. I am here for you. I go speak. No, I understand you so that they can eventually have their way with these children. You understand? And then that all comes from not being able, not having a good communication. And so what I did with my daughter is we established something called friend mode. And in friend mode, as a mother, as a mother, you have to, uh, as a parent, you have to give that child an opportunity to express themselves as if they are talking to a friend. And then when you come out of friend mode, you cannot hold them accountable. You cannot bring it back up. This is just giving them a safe space that they can speak to you and not have to go to a friend because a, a parent is going to give you the best advice that you can get over any friend. And so I wrote that book and I broke down those things so that children can understand and choose their parents first to talk to. And even if it means that you are a little bit afraid of that parent, you introduce friend more to them so that they can know that you are looking for a safe space to communicate with them. But but isn't that, isn't that hard to do, especially culturally with Caribbean parents? Because some some Caribbean well not some a lot of Caribbean parents don't know how to knock off the parent mode. It's, it's, well, it's nice in, in sitcom-y to say, yeah, okay, you know, we'll go into friend mode. But I know it, the, those situations can potentially turn abusive, no? Well, well, the, the, my truth is it works for me and my daughter because, like I said, I was a strict mother. And mm-hmm. so there's, there's some conversations we just ain't having. You understand? <laughs> However, um... Did you, did you ever have to... Face a really difficult one. Hell yeah! Listen, <laughs> why you getting friend mode? You take yeah? When you see you go into friend mode, what you getting there? You have to manage your emotions. You have to first of all give God glory that your child chose to bring this problem to you. Now there are parents who have really good communication with their children. Huh? I I speak to children. I read to children, and I have children who said to me, "I can speak to my mommy about anything. She doesn't get mad." But then you have some children who in a classroom tell me straight up, I don't think this book is going to help my mother understand. She does not understand. You know, so it's a, it's, it's, it may not be for everybody, but if it helps one somebody, if it helps one family, if it helps one child, then my mission is accomplished. What is the name of the book? Friend Mode is Our Safe Zone. Lovely. Where can, and, and, and where is it available? Amazon, all my books are available on Amazon. If you type in um, Tamara Leonard, you will see all of them. I have one that's called Please, Please, Please. All my books are real-life scenarios, things that happen in real life. I have one that's called Naila's Anger Experience. And next thing is we have children who are just angry. These kids are just angry and rebelling. And so what we're doing is I wrote the story about a, a child who had an anger experience. And at the end of the book, at the back, we have anger cool down exercises to help children um to express themselves not having to react on their anger to express themselves through writing instead of acting out on their anger you know um i also have one on on you know my most recent one is it's not always about you and that has a lot to do with children feelings always getting hurt are they always taking things personally because they don't know different They don't understand that sometimes people go through stuff and so they have no other way to get through themselves but to take their anger out on you. 
you know, and you have to understand at some point that it has nothing to do with you and who you are. It's the battles they are fighting within themselves. They're just projecting onto you. But you have to break that down in a manner that children are going to understand. That is going to curb with the bullying. That is going to curb with the fighting. That is, you know, once we really delve into these things. But these are lessons that adults learn along the way. What I am doing is just breaking them back down and feeding it to children at a very young age, hoping that they will hold on to one or two of those those values to help take them um, through life without having to have all the, the negative experiences there is to have out there. And so I have six in total already published. I have two right now. One is I'm trying to get it out within the next couple of days, but it's looking like that's not going to happen. I'm not sure. The, and these are all self-published? All self-published. Wow, wow. Self-published. So I'm going to have two coming out pretty soon, and then I am working on a Fruit of the Spirit series for children to truly understand um, the, the nine fruits of the Spirit and how it can have a positive impact on your lives on a daily basis if you can remember you know um to be kind to be gentle because sometimes and that's the thing that i struggle with as an adult there's sometimes you you there's a situation and you can handle it in a more gentle manner but because of of what i might be dealing with that day or during that time i tend to to not necessarily lash out all the time, but handle things in a more in a in a in a less gentle way than I should have or could have, and so the results has always be different. So if we can start to teach it to our children, because it's biblical, but but it is the times that we are going through, whether you believe in God or not, and it, it the actions are the things that you can do to avoid some some strife, and so. If we break these things down so that children can understand it and put it into real-life scenarios. I wrote a book on these three girls who constantly got in trouble, constantly being disobedient, constantly doing things that could, that had almost landed them in jail. And that's when they caught themselves, when it was too late. So hopefully through my books is just an example of, I use scenarios from when I was a kid. The little things that we did, I used to narrow some things that I see, stories from our children's children. And I used that to bring about awareness to other children, to save them that time, that energy, that hurt. You know, again, we may not catch all, but if we catch one, mission accomplished. Mm-hmm. Tamara, what does success look like to you? Success for me is... Success for me is so much. It is a, a culmination of so many different things. Because success, you can use it as your business is successful, you're making money, so you're successful. But you could be making money um, and not hiring people or treating employees bad, and that does not constitute success. Um, I can be successful in my business, but physically or or, you know, health-wise, in a really bad place, that is not success. So complete success for me is when your mind is healthy, your actions is healthy, your, your, 
your your body is healthy physically mentally you're good your deeds the things that you do uh comes from a good place you bring up you, you step into a room and you bring positivity you are making money having fun helping people all at the same time that is success to me you know um being able to give being able to contribute being able to to treat your spirit man um with honor doing things that that does not just involve you getting, you know, being able to have a powerful position, but not be a, a power pusher, a power puller, you know, being able to to remember the little things that matter, you know. We live in a society where you can do good for, for your whole life and then you mess up one day and you are condemned and everything that you have done good before is gone, you know. <clears throat> Success means that we are going to be able to recognize and realize what was and deal with what is in a manner that does not cause us to to be the judge, you know, because judgment doesn't belong to us. Success is being able to have had bad done to you and not have that want and need to be vengeful, to do it back. You know, so success means a very broad word. Prosperity is a completely different word, and prosperity for me is even a little more important than success because that would include more than just you. The word by Tamara Leonard. Listen, what advice would you give to young women, particularly young women from the Caribbean? Just general advice into being able to mold themselves into successful, you know, and holistic young women. Um, and uh, and adult women, what advice do you, you have? Know, you're asking me some questions that, yeah. You're dropping gems all morning. You to mean be able, to be able to speak into the lives of women in the Caribbean or anywhere, you know. One of the first things I think we all need to do as women is figure out who we are from whence we came and exactly what we want out of life. Become so grounded in who you are that when you are in that walk to becoming who you want to be, what people think or say will not detour you. When you are in that walk and becoming who you want to be, you are sensitive to know that you are, to know, sensitive to the fact that you do not want to walk on anyone to get where you have to go. Understand that sometimes it will mean that you have to take a few people with you and understand that there's going to be some people, some relationships, some habits, some things that you really enjoy and love you're going to have to let go of. These, these are the checks and balances in life of balancing fun versus seriousness, balancing um sincerity versus being insincere you know i think that we have to become so rooted and grounded in who we are and where we came from and what our true purpose is on this earth and be okay with the fact that once that purpose is accomplished that our time has expired and we can look forward to seeing the face of god to being able to Go into our next phase of eternal life. 
because we have done something good. I think I think we should focus on our life being our eulogy. You know, like you should do everything on a daily basis as if as if God is sitting right there next to you seeing you. Speak to him as if he's right there sitting next to you and you will accomplish believe. Believe with everything in you. Believe it like hold on to it with your breath. You can't breathe if you're not focused. You can't breathe if you're not striving. You can't breathe. You're just losing your breath because you're not doing what you're called to do. <clears throat> Once you hold on to those things, you are going to get to where you want to go. And you're going to get there ethically. You're going to get there with sincerity. You're going to get there with with um admiration. People are going to appreciate you and you are going to appreciate people. You are going to grow and you are you, you won't mind people outgrowing you once you know that you contributed to that good and you are satisfied with that. It doesn't matter what other people have. You know what you want for you and that has nothing to do with other people. Man, listen, we will be conquerors. <clears throat> and if we band together and build each other up and pay less time on pulling each other down or reminding each other of our faults. If we don't spend time taking care of those flaws and trying to change into becoming different people, and I will be the first to tell you, I am far from perfection. My delivery sometimes is too harsh. Sometimes I can be feisty, I can be bratty, I can be a lot of things, but I am a work in progress and I know the things that I don't like about me. And I am taking my time and I am fixing those things and shaping me into who, to, to be more and more Christ-like so that I can be accepted unto him. I will do my best from, to be my brother's keeper here on earth as it is what I, it is who I am. It isn't just what I do. You know, generosity and caring for others is who I am. And I am good with that. It's a painful road to walk because my discernment as to who is real and who is fake is blurred. Because my concern is to have the individual in front of me, to inspire the individual in front of me. What they have done and who they are, you know, have little, little importance or relevance to me. I have been hurt and I have hurt it. So I understand both sides of the coin and I want to strive to do less of hurting. And of course I want to, I don't want to experience hurt, but it also helps you grow. So I can't eliminate the negativity completely because you're going to need it for the balance. You need to have balance. And so I hope out of all of that, that I just said, it inspires it inspires women and it inspires people, period, to want more for yourself and be good with who you are. Because once you are good with who you are, there is very little that negativity can do to you. And keep prayer as one of the main priorities in your life. Trust God even when it looks like he ain't hearing me. There's nights I get up out of my bed in pain, literally walking around and saying, excuse me. I know you're busy, but you could check this pain here for me, please, because I can't take another painkiller. You understand? Speak to God like he's your earthly dad. He said, asking you will receive, and we have not because we ask not. And if you want to be a better person, if you want to be a growing person, pray. And pray that he change everything in you that doesn't represent who he is or doesn't represent what he wants for us, our ultimate wills. Of, of our lives, the ultimate will of our lives that comes from him. 
you know, um, I think Crespin is, is at this point, that's all I have to give Jesus. Take it or leave it, but that's all I have to give. <laughs> as far as being motivated, inspired, and, and doing what you have to do, you know, obstacles will come. I could not. I could not, I cannot, and I will not give cancer the opportunity to slow me down or stop me from doing what I am called to do. Because while I may have thought that my calling was to <clears throat> represent country, maybe my calling is to speak to these children in a manner that they understand so that they can be the, grow to be the leaders that we really need for this country. Mm. For the countries, wherever we reside as women, as men, as people, we have to work on building each other up and in that building of countries that we live in. We have to we have to normalize watching each other grow and not feeling the need to have a piece of that. You know? Um, but have your own ambitions to grow. Like, I don't know. I don't know. I would really like to know and I will continue to to work on my flaws and improving who I am as a person and fighting for my friendships and fighting for love. And, and, and fighting to inspire more people to aspire to want to do more with their lives in the best way possible. To be brave enough to walk away from what you know is not good for you, don't care how good it feels, because that's it. We, we, go so, we are so heavy into feelings that once it feels good, then we stick to it, and when it don't feel good, then you don't want to be a part of it. But one of the things about growth is that it's a painful process. In college, I was taught that some midgets break their bones to add false bone to give them height. But the pain they have to endure to do that just to grow. If we would, I've always kept that vision in my mind of, no, I am not a midget, but I want to grow. And so there are certain things that I'm going to have to break to get to where I want. You don't think I, I would have enjoyed just running another election. I mean, at the time I had just do the, the law, so I would have had the support. I've, I had the support of enough to be reelected again. I honestly believe so. But I also realized that I had to break away from that for me to grow, for me to have access to help more people. We are in a time where if you help someone as a politician, it is considered bribery. I was about to get myself in trouble because if someone asked me for help and I am able to do it, I am going to help them. And so I had to break away from that in order to see, okay, God, how else are we going to do this? How are we going to get what you call me here to do? How am I going to do it? And grow and be completely successful and be prosperous and serve you and be inspiring to others. How are we going to do that? And, and so in order for me to get that, I had to let go. And that's what I did. And letting go is one of the hardest things we face as humans. But we have to learn to let it go. Mm. At least let it go so that we can grow. You know, we live in a in a country. Lord, I feel like I'm babbling now when I'm taking over this 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 podcast. But we live in a world where people get judged for rightfully so wrongdoings at times. Okay, but you want me to tell you something, Crispin? And you don't hear it often, but a lot of times, the people that are in the court cases and the people that are are being 
um, scrutinized and all the lights is on them, they got caught. They get caught doing a lot of things that a lot of people do but don't get caught. What happens is those who don't get caught are the biggest judges for those who do. And that's why I try my very best to stay away from judgment. If you do something and I am going to to make it if it's my responsibility to expose it, it will be exposed. But it is not my job to condemn anyone because we have all fallen short of the glory of God. Every single one of us. Some of our sins just fall short in the darkness that people don't get to see. But all of us guilty. And no, none of us know which sin is worse. You don't know that my white lie is worse than the murder. We don't know. Hmm. The heart is the most, um, the heart is where everything's come from. It's from the heart that your mouth flow, your actions, your deeds, everything come from there. And so that should mean continue to pursue having a clean heart. I mean, I don't know what else to say. I mean, you, you, you took us to church. You took us to Congress. <laughs> usually, usually there's a segment on Planet 30 where I say the planet is yours and give us a last word, but um, I don't know. <laughs> I think you summed it up beautifully. Yeah. That's straight from the heart. Straight from the heart. What, I, I would ask you this uh, briefly, though. What, what are some of your uh, long-term goals? Other than, uh, is it right now just being an author? Is there more that you want to accomplish? Because I'm in the process of um, <clears throat> still dealing with aspects of the disease that I was dealing with, um, I can't go too hard. Right. I am going to, I am going to occupy myself. Um, there's a job offer and I am going to test the waters, but I can tell you that if for the, <laughs> the slightest peak of bad stress, that I feel I cannot manage, that's not going to be, um, that's not going to hold a long life. Right. It will hold a long life as long as I am surrounded by a proper team, as long as we can manage. And I mean, stress is stress. Good stress, bad stress, stress is stress. The point I'm trying to make is I am choosing my health first. I am no use for anyone if I'm not good. And so while I'm going to continue to write these books because A, I'm enjoying it. B, I feel like I am being um, productive. I'm being able to to give a little shine, a little light into the, the far future for our youth. Um, I'm going to continue with that. I'm going to work this job and I am going to continue to seek the kingdom of God and whatever he feel like doing with me and leading me to do that is what we are going to do hmm. I am I am just ready and open for life in its in its in its simple form mm-hmm. that may complicate it at times but um, yes and you and at this moment you are cancer free just to clarify at this moment I claim cancer free in Jesus name I would, there is, um, in the medical field, there are terms that they use to um, um, declare you no evidence of disease and those type of things. If I were to go by that, my answer to you would be, 
would be I'm still waiting, but I am going with the grace of God. I am healed. 100% it is done. I am not dealing with that anymore. I'm going to use wisdom and take care of the temple in the meantime, but at this point, it's over. The chemo is over. Um, I have every six weeks a, a, a flushing of the port and so on. That That's going to continue until they decide to remove it. Um, in the meantime, I am going to live life in its full abundance. I'm going to enjoy. I'm going to laugh. I'm going to appreciate nature. So I think I got more life than anybody right now. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Tamara Leonard, how can we contact you? How can we follow you on social media? And again, uh, I am going to drop the link uh, in the description on the website, www.planet30.com. But uh, last but not least, of course, let us know where we can find those books. My books can be found on Amazon. Again, if you just type Tamara Leonard in the search, you're going to see our books come up there. But I'm also selling them from my website. It is called www.tamleobooks.com. That's T-A-M-L-E-O books with a S dot com. Um, they are finally available through um, that website to go anywhere in the world. So... They can find my books there as well. And if you live in St. Martin or Tabor Station, Anguilla, those neighboring islands, um, you can buy them once again there online, and I will have them shipped to you. Awesome sauce. Uh, any social media? Um, Tamleo Inc. on Instagram. I also have Tamleo Books on Facebook. Uh, most of my stuff I run through my personal page because that's where the followers are. Um, so it's just regular Tamara Leonard on Facebook. And yeah. Sounds good I'm to me. My, I'm working on a YouTube channel and, and putting some um, videos out and doing some inspiring through that medium as well. Um, so you will you will be hearing more of me. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Tabara Leonard, former parliamentarian, entrepreneur, author, and cancer warrior. It has been a pleasure speaking with you today. And I'm sure the audience is going to get a lot from this interview. Um, we didn't stick exactly to the format of the regular interviews, but that's, that's how we do when we need to do it. It is Breast Cancer Awareness Month. And um, ladies and gentlemen, please take care of yourselves and of each other. Tamara, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thank you for having me. And ladies and gentlemen, go check your breasts. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to this episode of Planet 30. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at OnPlanet30. Like us on Facebook.com slash Planet30. Our email address is on planet 30 at gmail.com that's o n p l a n e t t h i r t y at gmail.com for more information about planet 30 visit our website planet30.com that's p l a n e t t h i r t y.com
I am Crispin Brooks, and this is Planet 30.